Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and still practicing our quarantine, shelter-in-place, social distancing, like grown adults. I have my friends, including one extra. Hello! Ryan. That's me. Over at the Good Night Podcast. Hello, sir. How are you? I am socially distant and great. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're social distancing and you're, you're great. But he is also known as Unite, and on the other side, we got David. Record this at all costs. Record this at all costs. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> the sake of fuck, as one would say. Also known as Knightly, and we also have Freddy. Hey, stay spoopy and safe. Staying spoopy and safe. David, Calls. your night name is Knightly? That's yeah. so yep. good. Anyway, right? <laughs> what I I had a second one too that I thought of later, but I was like, oh, it's too late. I want to do Nightingale, but Nightly's sick too. Nightly's sick. Nightly's sick. That's a good one. Also thank known you, as a Nighty Night, we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question: Why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelop you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. The world! Ha, that's from the other podcast. <laughs> now, our feature film that we're talking about tonight to open up something new. We had a nice, pleasant month last month. It was nice and pleasant. We, we got to watch some funny ha-ha horror comedies. That was nice. But now we're on to some more serious shit. And we're starting this off pretty rough with Jaime Balaguerro and Paco Plaza Wreck. Oh my gosh. Very uh, <laughs> very topical. Very relevant. Well, well, since everyone's going to be listening to this in May, but it's April, it's, we're recording this on April 8th. Yeah. And we're at a, a stay-at-home shutdown order. So watching this, I was like, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> appropriate hmm. appropriate movie yeah. interessant as they would say as they would say <laughs> mm-hmm. indeed no I'm, I'm actually curious because ryan very early on when we first announced that we were making this show very early on you said if you guys talk about wreck get me on this show what yes. was it about this movie that made you so interested in wanting to talk about it well, Prince and Freddie know this. I don't know if David pays attention when I talk on the other podcast, so I'll give him the benefit nope. of the doubt. Yeah, see. Um, <laughs> um, but I love found footage movies so, 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 so much. I don't know what it is about them. They're just, they're great. I I feel like I'm in it. I guess that's the point of the found footage movie, right? Um, but any point. found footage movie I come across, I'm like, yes, big yes. <laughs> Add that to my queue. It's going down. Um and then I love zombie movies. Duh. Come on. What was so it was, the, it was this, just the best of both worlds for you then. Yeah. Like this this quarantine happened where we all got shut down. And literally two days after it started, I texted Prince. What was I watching? 28 days later. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's to me, it's just all of the best things. And I, it's funny enough, I actually watched Rec 2 before I watched Rec 1. Mm. So the first, like, obviously there's quarantine. The, the you know, the American spinoff. But we don't talk about that. Um, there's two of them. Yeah, the the first experience I had with this, it was a found footage movie about a SWAT team killing zombies, and it was gr- amazing. I was like, "This is exactly the kind of sh- that oh, is the man. shit I do like." 
So do you, do you remember how old you were when you saw that movie? Yeah, I was 16. I was ready. I was in wow. high school. I was staying after school working on the school newspaper because I was the editor in chief. It was not fake news. And <laughs> it was it was about 10 at night and one of my dear dear friends who I actually just talked to yesterday had a copy he got on the internet of it. Wink wink wink. I'm not going to say where. <laughs> and it was on his USB drive and the teacher left and we had a giant projector and a sound system and we we're like YOLO swag because it was 2011 and people said that thing back then <laughs> and we watched it and it was great so uh, the thing about Wreck in general the Wreck 3 and 4 are actually very very relatively easy to get copies of but Wreck 1 and 2 were so hard to get in the US that's so and weird it, very and it still is it's actually still really really tough to find the appropriate subbed version with HD and all that whole other shit. Um, I, I, I fortunately enough, I have it, but I actually bought mine when I went on a, on my one year anniversary with my wife to In Spain. Spain. <laughs> so yeah. I bought mine there because I was like, okay, this is the only chance I'm going to actually be able to get this movie. I have to go to a, uh, a movie store and, and get it. And that's what I did. I went to uh, some sub shaky ass store that was on the side of a corner that I found on the internet and um, I thought I was going to die when I was in there but they had it they had all of them and I was like okay gold mine so I splurged a little bit and bought Wreck and Wreck 2 um, both the sub versions and blue on blu-ray so it was just it's such a hard thing to find for some reason here and I, I want to say like the versions here are like horrible like they're they're not sub they're dubbed yeah, the ver- the version I watched on Amazon Prime last night was dubbed, and I was kind of irritated about it. Yeah, and I hear the dubbed is horrible. I've never it watched is. it in dubbed. Yeah, it's so bad. But I hear it's horrible. Yeah, I, I feel like it's yeah. especially dumb for Freddie and David because they like understand Spanish, but they have to watch the dubbed version of a movie in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, it's not even just that the voices don't match the characters. Like it's yeah. dubbed terribly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I watched the Spanish version. Where'd you get it? Nice. So I sent, I actually sent it to him because I, I I knew you guys were going to have this problem because of how hard this movie was to find. Um, so I was able to find a low budget. It wasn't crazy low. It was about 480p. But I found a low budget version on um, Daily Motion. And uh, yeah. So if you're trying to watch this movie appropriately, watch it on Daily Motion. <laughs> uh, they, Speaking of watching this movie. Yeah. Very quickly. Uh, I was watching this movie and I was like, something about this seems really familiar. And I know I haven't watched this. Yeah. And I kept watching. And I was like, have I watched this movie before? You probably watched Quarantine. And I was like, no, I haven't. So I kept watching it. And I was like, I know I haven't seen this. Maybe I just think the the storyline is very typical of <laughs> infected found footage, right? Uh, once it's been done, you've seen them all before, I told myself. <laughs> Not until the very, very, very last scene. I was like, oh, shit, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> and the whole time, I thought to myself, why do I keep thinking of quarantine? Yeah. And especially towards the very end, right? Yep. You know what I did right when I ended this movie? Looked up quarantine. I fucking went to YouTube, typed in quarantine trailer. I was like, it's fucking quarantine. Yep. But not realizing quarantine is just a re-edit or remake for an American audience. Yeah. So, uh, but that was such a mind fuck the whole time. <laughs> it's it's actually really interesting because the whole thing behind 
quarantine and rec was the fact that it was a publishing thing. It was so hard to get it here. So um, Jaime Balaguerro actually was just like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to find a director in America or in the U.S. and just do the movie over for an American audience. And that's what he did. It's crazy. So quarantine is actually, it's not that bad of a movie. It's just the fact that it was just done with... Not even bad actors, because it was actually a really good actress in that movie. I remember uh, enjoying like, it. Yeah. Like, it, it was, it, I don't know. It, it's weird. It just didn't resonate well enough with the people who've seen Wreck and went to go see Quarantine. And that's what I was going to add. If you've seen Wreck and then Quarantine, you're like, this is not the original, right? Exactly. And I feel like it always comes down to that. But uh, someone that watched Quarantine, and I also watched Quarantine 2 back in the day. Yeah, the one on the, on um, the airplane. Yeah, exactly. I remember enjoying those movies um it's it's really it was really a big mind fuck especially in the last 15 minutes where i had a really big identity crisis where i was like have i not seen this movie and just been in this apartment before like i was tripping out (laughs) Uh, so yeah i mean the the best way to do it i mean this he really thought it through he was just like okay well what's a place that's very similar to, to barcelona New York. Barcelona has boroughs. New York has boroughs. This is perfect. There's no room in Barcelona. There's no room in New York. Everyone has to live in an apartment. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. This is going to be the best thing for me. And that's initially what he did. And it is pretty much a carbon copy of of Wreck. Why did I think that quarantine took place in LA? I'm done. No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It took place in New York, though. Um, yeah. But uh, with with that, it was like the main thing was just super interesting because that's the same. That's just w- what it is. Like, if you watch Quarantine first, you're going to like Quarantine more. Or, correction, if you watch Actually, Quarantine first, you're going to like that movie. If you watch Wreck and then go back to Quarantine, you're going to be like, uh-huh. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's the same thing for me. Yeah. I saw Quarantine way before I saw Wreck, and then when I see Wreck, I was like, oh, there's no comparison. This is way better. It's so much better, but, and it's, yeah. it has something to do with that language ba- barrier of it being so much more intense. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but I, I absolutely love wreck and i actually really enjoy quarantine but the only yeah. thing is that ruined quarantine is the fact that the ending of the movie was on the fucking poster <laughs> yeah that's yeah. true ruined quarantine that's facts. including that the, the monster standing behind her pulling her is on the poster and that was another thing that that quarantine has that wreck doesn't it shows a little bit more of the monster um in the very end of quarantine, which the monster actually looks like a rat, but you know, that's a thing. The monster uh, in wreck is really good. Really good. Yes. Really, really good. Um, and, and you guys funny. have seen him multiple times before that yeah. person who plays this monster. It's funny. Oh, really? You, you oh, mentioned that, that scene because it's actually rotten tomatoes. I have an article right now. Rotten tomatoes has it ranked as one of the 25 scariest movie scenes of all time. Wreck, not quarantine. Right. When he, when she gets pulled yeah. back. Nope. And it yeah. is, and phenomenal. I feel like I, I don't know if I'm in the minority in thinking this, but I feel like it's very of its time 
watching it now and maybe because I didn't realize I was just watching what quarantine originated from. Uh-huh. But I was like, this has been done before. Like, I know how this movie is going to play out, but I don't know if it was just because subconsciously I've already already seen this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I, the first half of the movie, I really thought to myself, this is typical um, cookie cutter found footage infected storyline. Yeah. But again, I don't know. I, I, do you guys still think to this day, like that ending scene is as like captivating or groundbreaking as it was back when it first came out or has horror evolved since then i'm and i'm so happy the you, time you brought that up um so it's funny I, I watched this movie just for you know transparency i watched it last night again yeah um the one problem i had with the movie it, it was fun you know everything was great it the the climax of the movie when they were up in that penthouse it was just exposition. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they exactly. they were yeah. they were telling sure. you what was going, going on. on. Yeah, yeah. It However, was the, it was the initial story of what yeah. They, they were like telling you they were telling you why, which is I say okay, you could have inserted one character in there that was the guy that started all this, and then he would have explained it, blah blah blah. But it turned out to be the monster, whatever. But. What was interesting is that they did something very – I've never really seen that in a, especially in an infected zombie movie type thing before. They combined a zombie outbreak with like uh, uh, exorcism yes, and demons. Yeah. And it was like a well, demon that the guy got this serum and then someone got infected and then there was an outbreak of demons. And I'm like, okay, that is interesting. There could be a good backstory there in a sequel, which of course they didn't really explore, at least in the first two. Um but it, 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 it was a good idea, and they just they just fed it to you on a silver platter instead of building that suspense, which could have made the movie that much better. Yeah. Well, with that, I, I see it as like looking at Barcelona, right? Barcelona has a, a pretty big religious um, oh, populace, yeah. and they they they're the majority of people probably correlated this disfigured, like mutated, dying person. It, they must be possessed. They must mm-hmm. be have part of the devil in them, and I think that's just human brains rationalizing what's happening when in reality, I mean, we don't know if it's that or is it uh, an infection or is this person undead? And that's the cool thing. That's the, the twist that I like, just like you were bringing up, Ryan, that there's this this twist is like it's an infected zombie, but also like a demon, uh, a, a demon entity. But I, I think that's just a rationalization of like what the human psyche like concludes on what this could be to make it make sense to them right mm-hmm. yeah that's um, interesting you bring that up because there is obviously yeah. they, they showed a bunch of articles about the vatican and stuff on the yeah. wall there there is such a huge catholic diaspora in spain it's basically the whole country that there could be some sort of cultural thing there where it's you know because the, exactly, the movie yeah. is made it's, in spain it's, it's interesting too though that this is the first time we actually see anything about religion brought up though was at the very end yeah, that, that's uh, what I'm saying. It should have been kind of breadcrumbs spoon-fed to us throughout yeah. the whole movie. That would have been yeah, so much better. Yeah, like little Easter eggs yeah, yeah. Make the movie an hour and 45 minutes and add that in there, and it would have been freaking awesome. Yeah, but I, I, I do well, love how, this... how it kind of went from, like, backwards following following these breadcrumbs that were laid out for us in a way, where it was just like, okay, there's this, uh, there's this girl who is sick, and she's downstairs with us. She supposedly has tonsillitis, 
And then we go from that to find out that, oh, shit, her dog was also sick and had to go to the vet. And then from there, we find out that the dog also was the same dog that was being experimented on at the veterinarian with this unknown disease. And is his name Max? His name was Max. Yeah. <laughs> no, Max. And yeah, so that was I thought I thought that was very well done and I would have been completely fine with it starting with the dog. Um but at the same time like I do really like how that was still kind of woven in into the Correct. whole uh Oh, guess, that yeah, that for sure kind of tied our scene together. Apartment complex. So yeah, Prince, you made a really good point. Like the whole end sequence was just giving us way too much information. It's kind of like mm-hmm. showing the audience that like, oh, let me spoon feed you all of this story. Exactly. Where they could have like woven it through, like they talked about the dog, like they talked about the little girl being sick. It's like subtle hints of what's happening, but they don't give it to you like right away. Mm-hmm. They don't spoon feed it. Absolutely. But the Absolutely. ending, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, the, the like big, what David was saying too. The big the whole issue. Thing of like, oh, sorry. No, you're good. No, it's just saying the the different perspective of like, is it something religious or is it actual sickness? Mm-hmm. Kind of gives both. me like a throwback of uh, Emily Rose, the exorcism. Yeah. Like, oh, is she yeah. just sick? Or is this something more demonic? And it's kind of funny because Jennifer Carpenter is in quarantine. So it's kind of like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's in quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Um, you got you got one more thing, Ryan? Yeah, just one thing, I go guess, go where I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking the screenplay now. But one thing where they kind of blew it is there was the one little girl. And then they went and looked in the penthouse. And then there was another little girl. Well, that, that, well, that was supposed to be the little girl that was like taken, right? Yeah, exactly. But they they should they should have been like the same character, and then kind oh of sure, I see what you mean. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? It should have been the oh, same. I thought they were the same. Characters. No, they weren't. No, they and that's were. that's why I was kind of sitting there like, ah, oh, this is almost perfect. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. I really took it as they were the same character. Mm-mm. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But let's jump into the Plizat Rex. So excited. <laughs> Directed by Jaime. Balaguerro and Paco Plaza released on October 28th, 2008 in the U.S., but released November 23rd, 2007 in Spain. A runtime of one hour and 18 minutes, a very short one, a budget of $2 million and a box office of $32.5 million with a score of 89% on Rotten On the good old RT. Now, we open, this is our first movie that we officially, I mean, we're going to get a lot of these, right? Because it's found footage month, so it's, it's going to happen. But we open with no title this time around. But we open with our protagonist, Angela, who is a reporter on the night, who is reporting on the nightlife of firefighters. She asks her cameraman, Pablo, if she has the frame correctly while she stumbles in opening up her segment while you're asleep. Angela finally gets through her opening, and it's it's something that I actually kind of was attracted to because I was like, man, I know this so, so well with these fucking podcasts, trying to open up shows and stumbling over my words, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to Angela interviewing the chief of the fire department, Andrew. Before she starts her interview with the chief, she whispers to Pablo to cut the interview if this doesn't go well. She heads back to Andrew and starts the interview. Andrew goes over how to put on the uniform with Angela. Uh, when talking, when taking off the uniform, she asks him um, if they're able to actually get any calls. Um, 
And I was just like, oh, just just you wait, baby girl. <laughs> about to get a call your motherfucking life. Uh, Andrew tells her that it is pretty much a lottery if they get called or not. Uh, then they take then they take her to where uh, all the men are actually having dinner. In the dining room, all the firefighters are eating, but Andrew introduces her um, to uh, Manu and Alex. He tells her that these two will be joining her tonight. Angela says, uh, Angela gives her greetings to everybody and um, says that she'll catch up with them later and let them just let them finish eating. Cut to Angela putting a microphone on Manu and Alex. And I don't know if this is just me. So I got to ask you guys as well. It, it, this might not be the case for both Freddie and Ryan because they watched the dubbed version. But did you guys get some strange like sexual tension on this scene? <laughs> Like okay, so I I you may be insinuating between her and Paulo, but I felt like she was sexing it up for the audience, for I, the I, camera. Okay, maybe, and maybe. And I feel like, like especially it, it definitely gave a, a little sex appeal of some kind. Yeah, it was a little what flirtatious. Was, yeah, yeah what I was going to add was um, in Spanish culture, the the hostess, the talk show hostess, they're always fucking beautiful ass hair super thin but also curvy and all that mm-hmm. and no disrespect to this actress but she seemed like she was uh low budget in her talk show and they even kind of joke about that right yeah. it's called while you sleep, while you sleep. Uh, who's gonna watch and it <laughs> exactly and her her attractiveness level again no disrespect seems like it was kind of so, so just as budget in comparison to like the huge multimedia Spanish like entertainment channels that you watch where the the women like they look like supermodels straight up yeah um and this is and this actress um has more of a realistic look right but I think yes I think there is sexual tension where she's trying to play it up for the camera okay to get more views okay yeah because I, I I've always thought that there was always a bit of some strange sexual tension on on like these interview scenes and I was just like huh. Okay. Oh, you mean with the firemen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, like with the firemen. <laughs> hell yeah. I, I felt the heat. I was just like, whoa. Like, yeah. they all that. look like they are, like, dogging on this girl right now. Oh, for sure. When when <laughs> when she when they walk into the cafeteria, they're all like, yeah, they're like hey, yo, yo, let me down. be on the team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for it's me, crazy. that didn't come over through the dub. I don't know. I you get, didn't come over through really. the dub? I didn't think no. it would. Yeah, because no. that's why I was just like, it, it might yeah. be different because, like, they are, like, kind of, like, catcalling her in Spanish. And it's 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 super fascinating. Super fascinating. Well, I guess it's not Spanish because it's, uh, they're not, they're not really truly speaking Spanish. They're speaking Catalan. So, I guess French and Spanish. Whatever. Angela is speaking with Alex and asking him about what a normal night looks like. Alex tells her that, um... Everything's just pretty much normal here. They get calls for pet rescues, uh, water mains, et cetera, et cetera. They continue, and Angela doesn't uh, doesn't find that impressed or isn't impressed with uh, what they all do around there. So she's trying to figure out something to make mm-hmm. up for it. They end their conversation, and we cut to Angela asking Pablo on what they should do and suggests that they talk to a reception. Angela sarcastically gives a, uh, gives out a woo before entering the room, and the two women are so embarrassed that one of them actually leaves. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
No sexual tension there. She's Angela like, continues out. forward trying to make this segment as exciting as possible. She ends up going to their sleeping quarters, explaining um, what they have to do when the alarm sounds off. Then we cut to Angela playing basketball with a group of them. And once again, the sexual tension is fierce. I'm telling you, dude. They were on her. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> While they are playing, an alarm sounds off and, uh, and says that someone is trapped in an apartment building and needs rescuing. Manu and Alex Whoa. start heading down to the po- down to the pole and accept the call. Angela and Pablo run to take the stairs so they can make it in time. They run to the van and start heading to their uh, to their call. Um, Angela starts explaining to the camera on what is going on. Uh, Jose is next to the person driving there. He lucked the fuck out, dude. <laughs> Alex and Manu are in the passenger seat, and uh, she says that uh, it is not always fires that they that. Uh, they get calls for, um, but it's other things that they can help out with as well. Um, Angela asks about their siren. Why? Why isn't Why isn't the siren on? And they tell them that they only use it for urgent calls. Uh, then they make it to their destination and rush out of the van to grab equipment to break down the door. Fun fact: I actually visited this apartment when I was there. <laughs> yeah, how was that? that's so sick. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, it was. Sketch. Incredible! It was it was really cool. Um, people actually still live in there, so it was it was just open. I was about to ask that, and like that's how the apartment buildings mostly are. There, they're just open. They're like open doors, and you just walk in. <laughs> so, do they have any like uh, anything that shows that like that was the actual apartment complex? No, <laughs> no plaque or anything. No, nah, no Damn. plaques or anything like that. But um, it it was just on like TripAdvisor. <laughs> Oh, and that's like, really cool. And they are proud of it, though. Like, there's, like, people who were there, and they were, like, talking about it. But um, I went inside, got to go in the textile place, um, got to go in the penthouse. Um, that was really, really neat. Um, no Did one start running and no screaming? No one actually lives in the penthouse. It was just, like, empty up there, and it was just, it just, it was just whatever. Um, was there you, stuff left over from the movie or no? No. No props or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was hoping. I was really, really hoping. But, like, people still actually <laughs> lived so in there. Sick. So people were, like, there was, like, a sign saying, like, be respectful and stuff like that. Um, oh, but, that's cool. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Um, it is very cramped in there, though. It is very cramped. <laughs> mm. And that that is Spain. Uh, the firefighting duo, Angela and... Uh, the firefighting duo, Angela and Pablo, are all heading towards the door. She points out uh, the police have um, also made it to the apartment building. Now inside, the resident tell them that there is a woman screaming upstairs um, in her room. All the, resi- <laughs> All the residents are speaking at once, but a woman who is holding her child um, is the one who actually made the call. Uh, a police officer by the name of um, Adulto comes down the stairs to grab the firefighters and quickly ask about the reporters. He tells the uh, people downstairs to stay down there while they go investigate the situation upstairs. Adoto tells uh, uh, Angela if they get in his way, um, if, if they get in his way, and if he tells them to move, get out of his way. He also tells them that this woman jumped off of the side of the stairs and started screaming bloody murder. Lastly, Adolto tells them that she doesn't have any family and never truly leaves the complex. Officially upstairs, and we see another officer, um, uh, Chauvin, uh, speaking with another resident. 
Adulto tells the resident to head downstairs with the others while they investigate the situation. The firemen start getting to work on the door, and Angela is doing is doing an introduction on the situation while they uh, break down the door until one of them sledges the door open and startles Angela. Adulto heads inside first and starts calling out the woman, uh, the woman's name inside of the room. Pablo bumps into Joven and he tells Pablo to turn the camera off. They both stop, um, stop their bickering towards each other uh, when they see a woman down the hall staring at them. How spooky was this for you, David? Such a good scene. <laughs> it was so great. I love this scene. I- I was just like, I feel hella dumb because when I was watching it, I was like leaning forward because I kind of had like, I was watching on my iPad yeah. in bed and I was leaning forward and I was like, what You're is that? Look at her. And, and then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I'm getting closer. <laughs> so oh no. That, that's, this is such a great shot because it shows like the distance and it's great lighting that you can't see too well. Yeah. So it made you do that effect. Yeah, and it's perfectly paced. Like they're like they're the cameras. Oh, yeah. The cameras dollying down the hallway. I guess not dollying down the hallway, Dude. but it's it's being carried down the hallway as it's getting more and more intense. And then all yeah. of a sudden, the lady just snaps. Oh, it's so Fuck good. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You know what? For camera movement, for doing handheld, this movie did a great job at it. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah no, this this, the this edits is done so, so well that the point where people who are, I guess making these found footage movies because they're fairly cheap to make obviously like you can do it right now but at the same time like um these guys did it right by focus always having someone to focus on Mm -hmm. and yes instead of making something where it's just like oh the cameraman's the one in front the cameraman was rarely the first one to go and that was the beautiful part about this movie because the they could use characters to get in the way to block things out for the viewer, and it's genius. Yeah, yeah. genius. Because it's, it's, it's nice because they didn't make the ca- the cameraman the main character. Exactly, but it was also nice because they made the cameraman a character. Yeah, <laughs> um, and they That's made us true. know like, hey, this is still someone recording. They still have conversations with this person. They still uh, let this person know that they are a part of the story, and they gave him a reason to continue to record. Because that's the thing about yeah. most found footage that isn't done so well is the fact that it's just like, okay, well, why the fuck are you recording this right now? Put the yeah, camera down and run, bro. Yeah, like and it, it becomes unrealistic at that point to record. And the whole reason was just yeah. like, we need to document this because people need to know the truth of what's going on in here right now. Exactly. And so this reminded me of a uh, Cloverfield. Yeah, very much so. Another great found. I'm not going to get started on how much I love that movie right now, but (laughs) (laughs) no need to get started. It's fantastic. Um, Uh, In regards to the camera work, I love the uh, vibe that it gave me because it very much gave me uh, survival horror video game vibes as far as like third person camera work, like Mm -hmm. just like Resident Evil Two or Resident Evil Three of like recent goddamn you know years. Um, <laughs> but you know that feeling of like you're in it and you're somehow inhabiting the character that you're looking at. One hundred percent. Yeah, this movie does a great job of making you feel a part of it, and it's great. And it, it brings you in because, like, for example, in this scene with the old lady, and then later with the little girl that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sitting there watching, and I was like, "Just fucking cap her, man! Just fucking cap her!" And, <laughs> and, and like, shot. Take I, a I shot, felt man. like I was in the hole yelling at him, like, "Just fucking shoot her already!" <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, uh, 
Oh, well, I'll get to it. Adalto calls out to the woman down the hall and tells her that they are going to take her to the hospital. They no, are fuck, all, they're not. <laughs> they're all walking down the hall, dropping photos on the wall and shit. And I also put here, what a great way to build um, awkward tension in this moment of them both of them all walking down the hall. But the tension is immediately broken when the uh, when the pictures fall off the wall. It's kind of yeah. like letting us know, like. This is a horror movie. Like, <laughs> well, that, yeah. What that was to me is that was the typical pre-scare before the actual scares that every horror movie has in the beginning. Yes, uh, typically it was, yeah. but this was actually done really, really well. Oh, it was. Be- it totally be- was because th- this movie doesn't have intentional humor to break up the tension. Mm-mm. And I thought this was done really well to use jump scares to break the tension. And I, I was just like, that. That's that's genius. Pablo turns the camera light uh, uh, turns on the camera light and you can see the wo- uh, see the woman is covered in blood and it's all over her gown face arms it's fucking everywhere. They tell him <laughs> to turn off the light as the woman is getting startled and getting pretty frantic. Um, Angela tells him to keep the camera rolling though even though the light is turned off. Pablo has the camera by his wayside and um, you get this interesting shot of the woman while uh, t- uh, while the woman is looking towards Aldalto while he's trying to calm her down. The woman jumps up and starts to scream on her bed as Adalto tries to uh, continue calming her down. He lets her know that uh, the ambulance is waiting downstairs for her. While Adalto turns around to give some orders to them, the woman takes a bite out of his neck, a nice, wonderful chunk, and drops his ass straight to the floor. Chaos has now ensued. Manu, Alex, and Hoven are trying to pry the woman off of Adalto's neck. Meanwhile, Angela is freaking the fuck out, rightfully so, asking Pablo what what they should do. This cannibalistic woman bites a huge chunk out of his neck and uh, the working men are freaking the fuck out, yelling that they need to get Aldalto out of there. And this looks fucking fantastic. It did look very good. Yeah. This is one of those things where you look at a horror film or a film in general and you look at the gore and this looked real. This looks like Very real. real, actual gore. And I, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I actually used to work in a morgue. <laughs> and What? Yeah, I worked in a coroner's yeah. office um, morgue, and uh, I did this back in high school where it was, uh, I went to a medical high school. It's called McLean Medical Academy. And in this school, one of the things that I had to do, I had to work on um, pretty much dead things. And um, for physiology, I worked mainly on animals, but then I took college courses where we actually moved up to people, where we started to work on actual cadavers. Well, when I worked for the coroner, we actually got fresh bodies, and it looked like this. Yes. Like, I've I've seen yeah. some shit, and it looks like this. And this guy did his fucking homework on blood, on everything. It looked real. And like Man. he even went so detailed and I, I was granted I was watching this on a Blu-ray copy, but he even went so detailed that you can actually see that they took the time to make bruising around his neck when that chunk was bitten out. It's just like, wow, <laughs> that's insane. Holy you know what I always shit. look for when it comes to a bite scene? Mm. I always look for the bite pullback with the stringy with the like Ugh. flesh. Yeah, that oh, always grosses me out. <laughs> this movie definitely had that. Oh yeah, yep. there's a lot of those. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of those. Uh, they get Aldato up and start rushing him out of the room. Out of the room, they are now running down the stairs, um, trying to get him to the uh, trying to get him out of the building. But then the lights shut off. 
Adato is bleeding out, and you can hear the sirens outside the front door. The folks downstairs are telling them uh, that the f- uh, that they are forced that the force outside won't let them out of the building at all. Hoven tells the man that Adalto was wounded and they need to get him, get him help. A man by the name of Gielem tells them that they need to put pressure on the wound and they ask him if he's a doctor um, and he tells them no, he's interned for a doctor's office. They rush Adalto to the step and um, he starts putting pressure on the wound. Meanwhile, Angela and the firefighters rush to the door to figure out what is going on and to call for an ambulance. Someone starts uh, talking on the megaphone outside explaining the situation. Um, health authorities have sealed the building for safety reasons and that they are working to get uh, get them out as soon as possible. Woven tell, uh, starts calling his dispatched um, uh, for help, but they brush the situation off and let him know that they are aware of the situation and that they cannot do anything for them. Hoven, frustrated, but being uh, being the one with the badge in the uniform, gets bombarded with questions from the residents, saying that they need to know what's going on. Hoven smacks the camera out of his uh, out of his face, and Angela loses her shit on him. And one of the residents <laughs> tells Pablo to continue taping and record all of this. Quick question yeah. for the for the two that watched yeah, this and hot. dubbed: How yeah. was this scene? Because I feel like this scene worked very well for it in Spanish because it it was so frantic. But I'm very curious sure. of how this sounded in dub. How uh, was it, it looked like people yelling, and then the voice was coming out very calmly. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I don't like, think it well, was that okay. calmly. Well, I, I don't know if calmly is the right word. Compared to just how fit. those those people, like, in the, the actors there were really portraying a good job of showing that their lives were, like, right. on the line, and they were scared, didn't know what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. And the voices were like, oh, my God, what's going on? Tell us. Like that. <laughs> yeah, no, this was very frantic. Both David and I could probably attest to how frantic this was, and I'm sure yeah. for you guys watching it previously, I'm sure you guys did find the original version, but uh, just the, the franticness of everyone bombarding him with questions and screaming, and it, it's very tense, and you get you get that sense of tense yeah, of with him where you're just like, fuck, I would start fucking punching fools because I wouldn't know what to do. <laughs> like, oh my God, yeah. it was so bombarding. It, it feels like, it feels like, honestly, it feels like on point. <laughs> 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 That's what it feels like. <laughs> uh, Manu yells that they need to get Aldato out of here and ask for help to get the textile door open. Woven tries to help Alex with the door, but a woman resident by the name of Mari tells them that her husband is outside and that there are cops surrounding the building and blocked off the street. She is letting everyone know that her husband was was out getting antibiotics for their daughter, but she is cut short because Alex falls from the store from the uh, third story all the way down to the first floor. Dude, Once that again, fucking had me jump. Right? Right. Same. Once again, a very awkwardly tense moment stopped by a jump scare. Mm-hmm. Fucking genius. And this is still not the last time we get this from this movie. And for people who are saying, like, oh, horror movies need this these breaks, um, this goes to show you that it doesn't. This guy gave us a very intense ride for an hour and 18 minutes. And we barely got any breaks throughout all this shit. That's a good point. Like, yeah, I feel like every time something like this happened, it was like a transition to the next scene, the next objective 100%. to do or something like that. 100%. So we, we very rarely got that sense of calm 
And even when people were telling other people to be calm, they were frantically telling them to be calm, <laughs> which is not going to instill calmness. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's screaming and some running to his aid, and he is all fucked up. And I even put here, this is exactly how found footage should be done. Not giving you too, not giving too much to the viewer and giving the cameraman a reason to keep filming. Uh, they hear someone screaming from upstairs and Woven tells Manu to come, to, uh, come with him to check on the person screaming upstairs. Woven tells the residents uh, to stay downstairs and he yells at Pablo to stop recording the camera and we cut to back. We open back up with, uh, to Angela telling him that he needs to keep recording no matter what anyone says. They are interrupted by movement um, above them and they head up the stairs inside of a room to check it out. Inside the room and Pablo moves Angela out of the way and uh, continues down the hall where you can hear someone trying to catch their breath. Then a woman comes screaming and running out of the out of another room in the apartment towards Pablo until she collapses to the floor. Woven and Manu comes into the room to check on the woman, but there is another woman standing at the end of the hallway, hyperventilating while they're looking at while um, she is looking at them. Damn, and this was just done so well. Like, oh, hell I, yeah. I'm I'm a sucker for there's there's two things I'm a sucker for in horror films. The changing colors of eyes, like glowing eyes and shit. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like that always Same. gets me. That always like sends chills up my spine. And also hyperventilating to the point where they just stop breathing all all together. The- <laughs> oh, I gotta I gotta say I do really appreciate now that you're bringing that up. I do really appreciate the the breathing yeah. that is um, going in place when they're still transitioning. Love it. Um, it gives such a good eerie feel. It's so weird. This is going to sound so random. I just got to throw it in there. Really reminds me of old school Dragon Ball when Goku's about to turn into a great ape. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Straight I just reference. like it. Not I feel like, like it. it's very effective. Uh, it really like gives you a sense of something's happening internally. Uh, and shit's about to get freaky. Oh, yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. It, it helps set it, the tone it, of what's happening. For sure. Exactly. It's like it's it gives you that sense of uh, should we should we check that dude out? Or, we just gonna let him <laughs> or leave him alone. <laughs> have you breathe. Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, he starts calling out to the woman and tells her not to move while having the gun pointed at her. She charges towards him and he takes her down with three shots. Everyone is trying to catch their breath at this point, and Woven is walking out of the room, but not before he gets upset with Pablo for, for having that fucking camera in his face again. Manu pulls Woven off of Pablo, but stares at Pablo as yet another warning for having that camera. Pablo and Angela stay in the room, focused on the woman and what just happened. Angela asks Pablo if he captured all of that, and he tells her that he got everything, and she asks to see the footage. Pablo tells her not to worry, and, that, and she starts yelling at him to show him the footage. Now, like, she's just like, what the fuck did we sign up for? Like, <laughs> damn. Um, well, this is what she wanted. This, Yeah, Literally, this is what this she what wanted. She and and she's actually sort of getting excited. Like, she's scared, yeah. but she's getting she's excited be because she's just like, okay, like, now we're getting to the point where I'm a journalist again. I'm not just it. a fucking reporter. Like, um... The camera starts rewinding and it's played played again. Then fast forward to um, fast forward to everybody being back downstairs. Manu tells everyone that he is going to check for another exit. Woven stops him and tells him that they um, have they have orders that they need to follow. Manu tells him 
uh, Manu reminds him that these men are dying and fuck those orders and heads through the textile doors. The news monster squad follows Manu and Woven. Angela starts explaining what is going on uh, to the camera and shares that they are searching for another way out. Mari tells them that her child's fever is getting worse. Another voice over the megaphone telling them, quote, do not try to leave the building. All exits have been sealed. A B and C protocol situation has been declared. Short, uh, shortly, a health inspector will come and assess the situation. Thank you for your cooperation. End quote. Angela asks, what does B and C protocol mean? Manu tells her that, the, uh, that this is a protocol in biological, nuclear, or chemical threats uh, situations. And they're like, what? <laughs> they assume it's nuclear and that they're being protected. That sure. they're, they're, they're like, oh, nuclear? What do you mean nuclear, right? They just jump straight to that. Here's the... Uh, and Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Very quickly, I again, with COVID-19 happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're showing no symptoms, they they don't think they could be a carrier. It doesn't even come exactly. to mind. And it's, it's, it's at a time when this is happening and watching that, it, it kind of like made me impose those feelings of like... Uh, you may not be symptomatic, but you could be a carrier, right? 100%. So, it made it a lot more interesting yeah. to watch. 100%. Now, here's the thing that about much this. much more realistic. Here's the thing about this exactly. that makes this even more interesting. Um, BNC protocol, biological, nuclear, or chemical. Technically, this movie was all three of those. Now, it wasn't nuclear as in the sense of uh, being literally nuclear, but the situation went nuclear real quick. <laughs> right? Mm. <laughs> but biological being the fact that, okay, this is a disease that travels through your body. And then chemical yeah. also being the fact that this was something that was man-made. This was created. This was not something that just happened. So... It wasn't this was the demons. All three of these, all three of these things, just kind of wound up into one. Fucking fascinating, and I, I love the fact that he added that in into this movie, uh, or both of them added this into this movie. Gilliam, uh, I don't, I don't know how to say his name. It is, it's, it's a very proper Catalan name, um, but I think it's Gilliam. Um, Gilliam comes into the textile room to tell them that Alex and Adalto are stable. Woven uh, says that says that they need to get out of here, and it is about and is about to bark another order. But a man stops him. He says that their cell phones aren't getting signal. The TVs aren't aren't showing any networks, which we actually came to later was a lie. <laughs> and something he is wondering why uh, why they are isolated. Mari yells that she can't get a hold of her husband and and Gilliam asks her what does her daughter have and she tells him that she has tonsillitis and feel and feels her and he feels her uh, her head and says that she's starting to burn up. Yep. Gillum springs into action and tells them that they uh, that they can jump uh, to the patio from the office. Manu and Angela start going with them, and Woven asks them of where are they going. We cut to Gillum and Manu and Ang- we cut to Gillum, Manu, Angela, and Pablo, or Paulo. Excuse me. No, it's Pablo, right? It's Pablo. It's Paulo or Pablo? Pablo. Pablo. We'll go. Pablo. Pablo. It's Pablo. Okay. It's not Paolo from the Lizzie McGuire movie. It's Pablo. <laughs> Paolo. <laughs> and Pablo breaking into the security room to take some keys and head upstairs. Uh, 
Walking up the stairs, Gillum asks about the old woman, and Manu tells him that she is dead. The sto- uh, this stops him in his tracks, and Manu tells him to hurry up and get the door open. She's like, bruh, like, we don't have time for this. <laughs> now working and on finding the key to the door, and he gets it open. Inside, they are running down the hall to get to the patio door. Once open, a SWAT team is telling them to go back. It is their own. It is for their own safety. Angela is trying to tell them that they have people who are hurting there, and they and they tell them that they are trying to that they are going to seal off the building, and for them to get back. Then we get this plastic wrap fall from the top of the building, and a SWAT member starts sealing this uh, sealing the wrap. Uh, Wilbin comes into the room and tells them that they uh, that he that they that he told them to stay downstairs and that he was in charge. Manu asks if he uh, knew about all of this, and Woven walks towards the sealed window and asks what is going on. Angela returns the question back to Woven, and he says that he doesn't know. Nobody is listening to the SWAT member outside telling them to stand away from the windows. This would have been really cool if he would have just started shooting. <laughs> right. I was waiting Yeah, I was it. really expecting that too, honestly. Because yeah. he like, literally was like, get away from these fucking windows. Woven goes up to Pablo about, um, about to swat the camera, uh, but Angela pulls him and tells him that they need to document what is going on. Gillum agrees and tells Woven that this is the only proof that they have. Manu reminds uh, Woven that he is locked in here with them and that they don't care about him either. Woven pulls a gun out and uh, pulls a gun out on them and demands that they head back downstairs in the workshop. Outside, they tell them through the megaphone, quote, remain calm. We apologize for the inconvenience. It is it is of utmost importance that you follow the agent's instructions. He is in the building with you. Do not try to leave the building. I repeat, do not try to leave the building. End quote. Manu goes up to Woven and tells him they that they are going to follow his orders. They all start heading out, and Pablo allows them to go in front of him. We now see Gillum treating Adolto and Alex for their wounds and gives Alex a shot in his wound. How gross was that? Right. So that was pretty good, man. That was so good. I was like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Um... By, by the way, I've never seen that, like, someone truly giving a shot in a wound. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I straight up, when this was happening, I put my hand on top of the screen because I couldn't look at it. I was so grossed oh, out. No. Oh, no. wow. Yeah. Oh, man. You're going to do no. great during gore month. The, Angela the has killed me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. The, the neck biting got me worse than the shot in the cheek. Really? I was like, oh. The shot in the cheek just was so slow. Yeah. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. That's, it was just like, oh, shit. Stick it in already. Uh, But (laughs) that gave me very, like, cabin fever vibes. I don't know if you guys have seen cabin fever. Have you guys seen that? Nope. Sorry. No. Okay. Well, there's a scene in cabin fever where this girl is uh, shaving her legs, but she has the actual cabin fever. She has the disease that is uh, plaguing these kids, I guess, in this uh, cabin. Uh, she's shaving her legs, and she starts literally shaving her skin off of her legs. Oh, no. But oh, it's no. so oh, slow that fuck this that. is this scene reminded me of that, and I was just like, yes. Jesus Christ, just That's do it, just fucked. fucking do it, rip it off like no. a band. Oh my god, I feel like I'm a faint. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I don't like that. Just hearing yeah. about it. Uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, Gormont. Uh, Angela asked Gillum if she could ask him a few questions. She sets him up for an interview with a style of questions. <laughs> By the way, we're not watching Cabin Fever for Gormont, so you guys are fine. He tells I'm going to take a vacation that month. <laughs> we're not watching it. You guys are good. He tells them that they are uh, that he has never been in the situation that this serious and that he he is an intern that gives shots, check blood pressure, etc., etc. Gillum then starts going over the injuries of both Adalto and Alex. Pablo is pointing the camera on both of them while he speaks about their condition. Um, uh, Gillum wonders how an old woman has the possibility to cause this much damage to two men. He goes on about the situation and how they and how they know about these two men, and yet they won't send in help. After they are done, Angela tells Pablo that she wants to start interviewing the residents of the complex. We cut to Angela interviewing an older couple, asking about what happened that night. I actually love this part. The old man says, you know, I didn't know much. I was, I was sleeping. Like, <laughs> and the woman goes on to tell Angela that she heard screaming and came downstairs immediately. She says that something strange is going on there. Her and her husband get into a little fight about talking over each other. They continue with their story, and then we go uh, we go to the next person to interview. She starts telling Angela about the fireman who who fell from the top floor and begins to cry until her husband calls out to her in Japanese. They start arguing in Japanese for uh, for a bit, and they go and then she goes back over to Angela to continue telling her her story. Um, I thought this was actually really really interesting. Now I don't know if you guys have been to Spain. I've There's not been to Spain. A lot of Chinese and Japanese people that live in Spain. That's interesting. Interesting. It's like almost half of the population of Barcelona. <laughs> Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. It's I'm insane. really surprised to hear that. And I, I feel like this was very indicative in the movie as well. But in my experience throughout racist. my life, yeah, throughout my life, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'm Spanish gonna... and Hispanic people have always been very racist against Asians. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand it. I don't like it. But growing up, I saw that all the time. And even now, when I am within my Hispanic communities, I s- still see that today. And it's not cool. And, and once again, English being one of the hardest languages to learn, supposedly, um, the like they do speak very great uh, Spanish while you're there. Mm-hmm. Like, going inside like certain stores and things like that. And um, I understand more of like Mexico Spanish more than Spain. And they were able to flip it for me. Like I was like when I would talk to them in source and things like that, and when I would try to use my Spanish, um, they were able to flip it to where it was. Uh, and they would even ask me. They were like Catalan, um, Espanol, and they were like España, and I was like Espanol. <laughs> and, then, and they were able <laughs> to like flip see. it for me. And um, they were like really, really like they were actually better to interact with than the actual people in like who were Catalan and. Uh, from Barcelona. Madrid, they were a lot nicer, I will admit. <laughs> um, um, one thing yeah. I will say, the the stereotyping of Chinese people carried over to the dubbed version. On, uh, oh, for oh, sure. Did it? Did oh, it? yeah. yeah. It's, it sounded like Family Guy um, doing Chinese people. It was pretty bad. It was like no someone trying to do an impression. Way. Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. That's horrible. Yeah, because like and it does even, not fit the characters at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, even in even happening? in the subversion, they're speaking Spanish really well. 
that's good. Like you, yeah, they're they're. I would say they're like eighty percent. Well, but they're still doing a very good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like they're they're speaking it well, but they the thing is they still have their Japanese accents on top of the Spanish, which yeah. was. Which was actually very interesting to hear. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I've never heard it before. I've never heard an Asian person speak Spanish, yeah. but I heard a lot of the uh, the Chinese accent in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were Japanese. These guys were. Oh, it, they were yeah, Japanese. They were Chinese. Oh, I apologize. No, no, no. They were they were actually Japanese. Because they were e- even in the even in the credits, it's it, it's Japanese man, Japanese woman. They, he didn't give them names. Really? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So they were actually they were actually Japanese. The the joke, or not the joke, but when the old man says uh, the Chinese, that was a racist. Yeah. That was a racist slur. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I assume they were actually Chinese because of that. No, yeah, they were Japanese. Um, I I think they changed it because um, I want to say the main the, the, one of the directors, Paco Plaza, like his neighbors were Chinese, and mm-hmm. they would always leave the door open, and he found it interesting that they would leave the door open. Um, Really? But I think he changed it to Japanese so he didn't offend them because they were his neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> um, still messed up that he didn't give them names, but he gave everyone else everyone else names, right. including the old people. Um, I just I'm chose not IMDb to name them because right they, they were super racist. <laughs> so crazy. Um, wait, what'd you say, Freddie? I'm sorry. No, I was saying that I'm on uh, IMDb right now. I see their names. And they just say in Spanish the female and male version of Japanese. There you go. No names. Yep. <laughs> now Angela is speaking with the sick girl Jennifer. Uh, she starts asking Jennifer question and Mari questions, and Mari continues cutting in. Angela asks for Mari to not speak, just like that. She's like, "Don't speak." <laughs> in the subdivision, she's like, "Don't speak. <laughs> I'll talk to you after I'm done." <laughs> Uh, she tells her not to speak during this process and that she would interview her afterwards. Jennifer continues telling her story about her dog, Max, who also got sick and needed to go to the vet. Excuse me. Angela is now speaking with Mari. Mari tells them that uh, sh- uh, that something serious is going on. Um, or no, she, excuse me. So, uh, she tells them that so- she knew something serious was going to happen sooner or later. Some fire or something. Um, she also lets them know that she's going to sue and contact newspapers to write about all this. Angela knocks on a door to speak to a man by the name of Caesar, who is doing his hair for the interview. He sits down on the table and starts giving his story. Angela asks him um, how long has he lived here, and he tells him that he's lived here since his, uh, he's lived with his mom until she passed away. Now he lives alone. He starts going on and blaming the Chinese people that live there, saying that they eat raw fish and they leave their door open all the time. There's, there you go. Uh, and that they are arguing in their language all the time. And he actually flips it. He's like, he says that they argue in Chinese or Japanese. I don't know. Um, so he was just being a prick. Mm, I remember that now. Yeah. Uh, Caesar stops to ask when they are starting, um, and Angela lets him know that they are uh, that they already started. And he's like, oh. <laughs> he starts wiping Dude, his he's face. Funny. Like, yeah. he's just like, oh, hold on, let me get my good side. <laughs> and he's like changing <laughs> sides to uh, get on his good side. He's like, this is better, right? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> We got to a moment trying to fill people, uh, trying to fill people in um, that they told that he spoke with the health inspector and is coming to take blood samples for everyone there. He tells them that they are going to uh, let them out as soon as long as they listen to orders. 
Manu tells, uh, takes over to check everyone in uh, through this building. He starts asking who lives on uh, who lives in the room that is closest to the office. Gillum tells him that it's the, it was the Colombian um, girl that lives in the apartment. Mary cl- uh, cuts to, uh, to, cuts in to say that her her husband and daughter live on on the left of them. Uh, Manu tells her to calm down and continu- and continues on the second floor. Uh, continues asking about who lives on the second floor. Uh, the older couple starts saying that they live on the second floor, but they both break into an argument together because the man thinks that he lives on the third floor. And I'm just like, this old senile ass. Uh, <laughs> Manu, <laughs> Manu breaks it up and gets, uh, gets the proper floor. Manu continues uh, his floor roll call, and the Japanese family says that they live um, upstairs with their dad, um, who is also currently upstairs. Um, she continues- Which they just forgot to mention conveniently. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. She continues saying that her father is sick, and uh, the old lady claim, uh, starts blaming her and saying that it is her fault that they're in this mess in the first place. I was going to hell up this wow. at this point. Right. Yeah. Wow. A woman comes Shady. in. A woman comes into uh, in the middle before an argument ensues and says that they need to finish this. He asks if anyone lives in the penthouse, um, and Gillum tells him nobody lives there. Um, it's a uh, property of uh, Spain. The family ask if their father should come downstairs. Murray starts uh, saying that that's not a good idea while the authorities are trying to. Uh, saying that that's not a good idea because he's sick, and while the authorities are trying to calm her down, Manu uh, mentions that, well, your daughter's sick. I was like, ooh, bitch. Uh, as soon as he said that, I didn't, you know what's funny? I didn't even expect that coming, and then he said, oh, your daughter's sick, and I was like, oh, bitch. Yup. <laughs> yup. <laughs> he got her. Uh, Dude, it was tries, it starts yelling funny. like, like, this is tonsillitis! Yeah, no, yeah, she just stands there. She's like, she's got... And the girl's got this fucking <laughs> demon face on her face. It's tonsillitis. Yeah, so right. satisfying to see her bit in the face. But at the same time, I was straight up laughing when she was running around as a little infected girl. I was oh like, my she's God. so adorable. <laughs> I always I, I wouldn't find, say adorable. I don't know if adorable is I always find zombie children so adorable and I can't take them seriously. I don't That's know so why funny. when it always comes to like little kids and becoming like asshole demons or something like that, you always want to punt them. I don't know yes. why that was. 100%. I don't know why. You can push them down. You can like knock them out. I'm always thinking about kicking them. That reminds me a lot of like Pet Cemetery when Gage uh, initially is like came, comes back from the dead, and Gage is like a three year old kid, and you could definitely tell like the director was just like, okay, now do your meanie face, and like it's like he's like, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's hard to take them serious sometimes. Uh, but I mean, the, the screaming worked well here. Uh, but oh, when she yeah. when she runs up the stairs, she's just she's running up the stairs like a child. So it's just like, eh. yeah, I can, I can see it taking you out a little bit for sure. We cut to Woven at the front door, waiting for someone uh, from outside to come uh, to the door. Uh, one of them cuts a slit. Uh, so the health inspector can come through. Two people with bodysuits, one white, other yellow, um, are checking each other's gear. Uh, the one in the white suit hands the one um, in the yellow a suitcase or a case. And the yellow uh, guy goes inside. Angela starts go, uh, going on to the camera about there being major security measures in place uh, when they actually still know nothing. The health inspector is coming uh, to meet with uh, all the people and then runs into, runs into Pablo to ask what are they doing here, then cuts to black. 
The camera comes back on and Jennifer is looking into the lens and taps it. Mari tells her uh, to not touch it and they go to sit back down on the steps. We are left with a blurry image of everyone until Angela calls Pablo over. She asks, or she starts to ask about the inspection on the old woman, then continues asking about the contagion of the disease. And Pablo says uh, to not scare him like that. It's just like, bro, <laughs> like we trying to get down to fucking business. He grabs the camera and starts cleaning the lens. Cut to Manu and Woven clo- uh, closes the door. Angela tries finding another spot for Pablo to look inside the room. She finds him a spot, and you can and we can see the yellow-suited doctor is handcuffing a- Alex to this table. They start cutting Alex's shirt, and Pablo pans to the camera frantically around the room. The doctor grabs a needle and puts it um, puts it in Alex's arm, and Alex starts gurgling. Fucked up. They, they, they injected this zombie with adrenaline. Hey, this would be a good idea. Pretty much. <laughs> and they're just like, great. <laughs> the doctor hands um, woven handcuffs to place on uh, on Aldato. Um, and I, I'm not too sure, but David, correct me if I'm wrong. The thing that the link that I sent you, did it like cut off on this part? Um, I don't remember specifically where it cut off, but okay. it was in two parts. Okay, yeah, because I saw that it was like a two-parter that I had to send you, but I was just wondering if it like cut off on this part. Um, but whatever. Uh, the before he can before he can put the actual handcuffs on Adalto, Adalto springs up and starts attacking the doctor while Woven is trying to get him off of off of him. Uh, while they are struggling to get Aldato off of him, Alex springs up next and starts biting Gillum. Um, Jesus Christ, this shit's crazy. All of this is happening while Angela is screaming at Pablo, wondering what those sounds are inside of the room, and Pablo tells her to run. Um, quick question for the people who watched it in dubbed. Yeah. Did they at least keep their screaming, or did they dub their screaming? I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure I, they Well, you it. know what? I don't remember, and I'll tell you why. Um, the dub over of Angela asking him what was going on over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, it absolutely killed the tension of the scene. Really? A little bit. Because all I heard yeah. was this, like, it was, like, this crazy thing, and all I heard was this, probably this nice white lady with nice hair talking, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? It's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> It killed I mean, me. I mean, Angela does ask a lot, though. <laughs> but yeah, but it, like, if you go the... back and watch the dub, it like was a little like, "Shut the fuck up!" It she really? didn't stop. Yeah, yeah, it got very repetitive. See, and this is why I whole... had David watch it, the watch the sub version, because this was his first time watching this, and I did not want yeah. him to get taken out of it at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but it was annoying how she kept fucking whining and like asking, like, "What's going on? What's going yeah. on?" Throughout. So apparently, apparently, I've well. never seen quarantine, but apparently, it's turned up to eleven in quarantine with how annoying she is. Oh and yeah, I think she screams I, a lot. From the trailer, <laughs> yeah, from the trailer, I think it's because they wanted to capture just what the movie was, yeah, exactly what it was, and like make sure they don't change anything. Yeah, because yeah. she screams as much a lot. as little as they can. And a lot. Yeah, it's so annoying. The whole time I was like, damn, girl. Like, I was like, if, if, if it were me with you, I would cover your mouth. I'd throw you with the fucking zombie to shut you up. Oh, my God. 
That's, that's how it felt. <laughs> Pablo gets down and starts running to meet Manu, the doctor, and Woven. Uh, they close the door behind them while you can hear the screams of the infected on the other side of the door. Manu starts yelling at the doctor, saying that Gillum is still inside, and the doctor says that there is nothing that they can do once he has been bitten. This um, and they even and Manu's just like he wasn't bitten, he wasn't bitten, and the doctor is like, "Fuck that, dude! Nah, he was he was bitten." <laughs> Uh, and he, the doctor lets them know that this travels through saliva, and that they can, and they can't risk letting him out. Angela moves in and starts yelling about not knowing if he has been bitten, and the doctor says that Gillum um, uh, says to Gillum that the two infected are handcuffed and to just stay away from them. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, Manu asks, "What is going on?" And that they are fi- uh, that they were fine a few minutes ago. The doctor tells uh, tells them that the reaction time depends on the blood type, and they cannot predict it. But it is cut off by an infected Gillum smacking and cracking the window, and like his scream was so fucking good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so fucking good. Jesus Christ! They start yelling to get away from the window and run. Did someone have something? Yeah, I was going to say, this is where I'm like, shit's going to get real here. Like, oh, yeah. it's going right. to spread quick, and we're going to start picking them off one by one. 100%. Which I was excited for. <laughs> they run back to the center foyer uh, with all of the other residents and closes the textile door. But they don't, they, they can't lock it, so... That's yeah. a thing. Uh, Manu and Woven runs over to the doctor and yells to him, uh, "What is, yells? What is going on? Going on?" And he says, "Quote: Yesterday, we received a call from a vet who had a dog brought in with an unknown disease. The dog went into a coma, and a few moments later came to and was extraordinarily aggressive afterwards. He started attacking all of the pets at the clinic while." Ha- um, we had to give him several tranquilizers, then put him to sleep. The, uh, we followed the chip in his ear, which led us to this building, end quote. Angela asked if the dog's name was Max, and the doctor says yes. Then everyone turns around and stares. Uh, it starts staring at Mari and Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Sketch. yeah. Yep. Jennifer uh, Jennifer says that she just has tonsillitis and the doctor nope. moves closer <laughs> to her and t- uh, to tell her how the disease is actually transmitted. Before he g- uh, can get another word, Jennifer spits blood in her mom's face yes. and starts screaming at everyone, then runs upstairs. They stop Mari from running upstairs after her. Mari is screaming for her daughter while they are, cu- uh, while they are cuffing her to the banister. The up- other woman starts crying out that her father is upstairs to bring him down. And I even put here, I was like, yeah, all y'all motherfuckers was racist and sh- as shit in the beginning, and this bitch, who was actually from here, brought this shit here. So anyway. Right? <laughs> what I love about this moment, though, is like, because a lot of times, like, I'm sure a lot of us were like, thinking like, oh, fuck, the kid, that's hella sad. And before Bullshit, you came, like, I was like, like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, the kid yeah, was super nice compared key. to her mom, right? But, like, before you can feel sympathy, she's like, all right, I'm just going to switch it up. And she just bites her mom's face. And, and then well, you don't have time to feel bad. She doesn't bite her face. Her. She, she, just spits, she just spits blood in her face. Oh, right. I thought she yeah. bites her face. No, yeah, she spits no. blood. She just, like, vomits blood. Yeah, because remember, yeah. remember she doesn't change until she actually is, like, getting involved. Oh. <laughs> so, straight yeah. up, because I thought she was bit in the face... Um, 
I had assumed she was changing while getting bitten. It just like timed up like that. No. Yeah. But no. it makes more sense. Yeah. Uh uh Woman goes over the doc uh goes over to the doctor to let him know that uh her father is sick in bed. The doctor starts yelling that they uh that they gave them specific orders to keep everyone downstairs. And he meant everyone yeah. <laughs> and, and that they cannot have the infected loose outside. He tells Woven and Manu uh, that everyone needs to cal- calm down or excuse me, everyone needs to come downstairs and to gather everyone up. Angela tells Pablo to go with them and uh, get this on tape. And I put here, yeah, my ass would have been like, hell no. Take your ass upstairs with this fucking camera. Here's record. Go. Enjoy. I'm going to be hiding in that closet. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, Mm. Upstairs, and you can hear deep growls and screaming coming from where the old lady was shot. The lady is no longer on the floor. That was so good. I was, you know, when I was watching it again for the first time, I forgot kind of the movie, and I was half expecting her to stand up right there and charge them, but then they left and came back, and she was gone. It's like, yep, that's perfect. The lady is no longer on the floor, and they are cautiously going through the apartment calling for Jennifer. It's like really, like you yeah, just that, saw you just saw what happened inside of a, a fucking room. I'm with you on that, Prince. Right. I was sitting there like, hey, just hold up a big sign that says, "Please come kill me." Yeah, no, that was dumb. I I, I was not a fan of that one, but it's fine. Woven look, uh, looks over, looks around, and says that there there isn't anyone there, and told them to wait there. Um, I will admit, like how badass like Manu was as the firefighter, just whooping ass. Mm-hmm. The firefighter in quarantine was a lot more badass. There you go. Yeah. And also, the person who had the camera in quarantine was also badass because he actually killed one of them by smacking him in the face with a fucking camera multiple times. That's fucking gnarly. Yeah. He just over and over and over. Like, I think it was like at least like 10 or 15 hits. And it was just a bloody pulp and he just cleans the lens and I'm just like, fuck yeah. (laughs) So I'm saying, Quarchy's not that bad. (laughs) Uh, But when they turn around, they notice that Jennifer is right behind them. Um, Woven starts heading closer to her and asks for the needle from uh, Manu. Um, I guess that same... Thing. Uh, different movie. Don't worry about it. Moving, cl- moving closer towards uh, towards her and ask her for uh, her hand. Then he takes her hand, and the light is on her face, and her eyes are just blackened. Jennifer lunges up towards Woven, and uh, they are trying to get her off of Woven, but she Can bites I, may him. I? Go ahead. I live texted you to this. I live texted this to you last night, friends. If I was that cop, I would have iced that girl so fucking fast. <laughs> I would have pulled out that fucking 45 he had on his hip. Pop, pop, pop. All right, we're good. I was we're so mad that we're he tried done. to go right, up to her good. and fucking, oh, wait, it's going to be okay. And then she just kills him. It's like, dude. Yeah, because he was trying to give her a, t- a tranquilizer. Yeah, right. dumb. And I was just like, nah. So dumb. Yeah, nah. a 45 APC is a good, ACP is a good tranquilizer. Yeah, do that. Tranquilizer real good. Yeah. Um. Uh, she bites him on the, uh, she bites him and he grabs her to tell, uh, tell everyone to get out of there that he's been bitten. That would have been the moment where I'd have been like, cool, give me your gun. (laughs) You're a goner, but I'm going to need that. (laughs) They are running out of the, uh, they're running out of the apartment, but stopped by the woman who was shot earlier while she is screaming. Manu hits her directly in the fucking face. 
She's like, fuck this mm. shit. I'm not here for this. <laughs> then gives her another one, and she is down for the count. Here in the screams and struggles of Woven was Jennifer, and he yells for them to go. Running down the stairs, and the residents are telling them not, uh, not to head downstairs. With mass panic, they continue going down. Downstairs, and they... Cl- uh, now they're downstairs and uh, they try to close the textiles do- textile door where Gillum is trying to force his way underneath. Mari grabs onto the doctor and yells for him for her to get um, yells for her to get off of him. And Manu asks for him to take the cuffs off of her, but he can't find the key to do so. This was the most fucked up death in the whole movie. One hundred percent. Then the Agreed. shutter starts rising up yet again. Manu asks for the doctor to help, but he runs upstairs instead. He can't hold the door and tells for Angela Angela to leave Mari so they can run upstairs as well. They leave her and head into Caesar's room and lock the door behind them. How fucked. So sketch. How fucked up. Now, I love this part because if, if you guys notice, while they're trying to run away, um, it's, it's not Gillum, first and foremost. It's Adalto. Um, the initial the initial uh, other police officer or whatever, and he stares into the camera while they're walking up, mm-hmm. and it is honestly one of the most bone chilling things in this movie because it's so subtle. Like he doesn't bite her right away; he just stares into the camera while it's walking mm. up. While he's like, like he's oh my god, fuck! It's like he knows. So this is a lot more fucked now because I literally thought she was already bitten. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So now I'm just like, because at first I was like, oh, yeah, no, fuck her. Like, keep her tied up. She's going to change anyways, right? Sure. But the well, fact that, that was she was Yeah, it, it would have probably wait. still happened because she did get blood on her face. It probably would have just happened slower. So wait, yeah. so does that mean they handcuffed her because they wanted her to stay away from her child? Yeah. Because I thought she was handcuffed because she was kid. bitten. Yeah. It was kind of like uh. both stay away from the kid and also stay away from us or protect ourselves when you do turn. I, right. I think they know exactly Oh, because the blood happen. can turn you as well, probably. Correct. Because yeah, it, it was initially saliva and blood, bodily yeah. fluids in general. Okay, that makes more. Yeah, so they they handcuffed her because like she was going to probably yeah turn it. And I think yeah. another reason why they handcuffed her as well is because, or the, why the doctor handcuffed her is because in probably in his head, which is like okay, there's a little girl. She ran upstairs. There's no one upstairs, but that's why he got so upset when um, when they told him that her father was upstairs. Because I think he was trying to, uh, in his mind, I think he was trying to say, like, okay, I don't want anyone else to change. Yeah. So, like, since she's upstairs and we're down here, we're kind of okay right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But if Mama goes upstairs, then then we got to fight a bigger one kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's that's how his mindset was for it. But whatever. Uh, Manu asked if any if any one of them were bitten, but they weren't. Angela's hysterically. uh, asking about Mari and uh, that the infected were eating her alive and wondering what kind of disease is this that they're actually dealing with. Manu mentions that they need to get out of there and Angela says that she isn't moving from this from this apartment. But Caesar says that uh, that they can wait until someone comes for them. Angela tells him that no one is coming for them um, and that they are going to let them die. 
Caesar says that they care about the doctor, and Manu questions him on that. He tells him, he tells him that the doctor is in the apartment in the other room. Manu starts looking for the doctor and finds him in the corner in a back, in a back hallway, telling them to st- and uh, he tells him to stay back because he was bitten. They move back, and the doctor locks himself inside the room um, he is cornered in, but he lets them know that this will not hold him. Fuck. Caesar and Angela are yelling at the window to get them out of there, um, but someone says for them to, quote, stand away from the windows or we will be forced to take drastic measures. Follow the inspector's instructions, end quote. Caesar tells Pablo that there uh, might be a way out and heads over to Manu to tell him. He tells him that uh, in the workshop there is a basement and that they can, uh, if they can get the key um, and... Uh, they'll be able to get out because he tells, lets them know, like, oh, there's a door, there's a big uh, a reinforced door blocking the way. He lets them know that Gillum was in charge of the keys and that they are uh, in his apartment somewhere. While trying, to still, while trying to still explain, the doctor smashes through the window to grab him and starts biting the top of his scalp. They, <laughs> they try that to part was fucked him. up. Oh, yeah. They tried to pull him off of the doctor, but Pablo tells uh, tells them that they need to go, um, that they need to go um, and that he was bitten. Now, the thing that I like about this uh, particular scene, we usually when we get like zombie stuff, we get very uh, soft organs, the neck, the stomach, uh, sometimes an arm. Right. But never the scalp. Like I've never seen yeah, that before that's true. until this movie. Yeah. Where I was just like, holy shit, he's just like literally just going for a scalp right now. No fucks. <laughs> like, goddamn. That shit's amazing. They get out of the room <laughs> and take a second to, to think about so their amazing. next move. Angela starts asking them about the key and for uh for them to remember where it is, but they can't remember. She remembers his uh she remembers his name and mentions the mailboxes and how the and how that that'll be the tickets for them to find out which room he actually lives in. They are being way too loud, and an infected runs up the stairs towards them, and it's actually uh, the Japanese dad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He grabs onto Manu, and Manu punches him square in the face, then breaks his neck. He tells them uh, to start heading downstairs, and they start checking the mailboxes. Pablo looks at Murray on the ground, and when they find the address... And they turn back around. She's standing right up. I thought this was so good, fantastic. Now, for the guys who watched this and dubbed, what? How was this scene for you? Like, it still worked. It still worked for you. Guys? It still worked. There oh, was yeah. still a little bit of I don't know. Still a little bit of meme for you. It was watered down because of the okay. dub. Okay, because for us, um, for both uh, David and I, we. Actually, on this scene, uh, uh, Angela lets off a huge gasp. Mm-hmm. And the gasp is so believable because it's kind of like, it reminds me of, of when David gasped. <laughs> but it, it's, it was like that. And initially, like, it was so well done and so believable because I initially just pictured that, like, with the audience. I wish I could have seen this in fucking theaters with everyone. Because I could just picture the audience just being like, holy shit. Like, not screaming, but more of a gasp. And that felt really believable. Yeah. I thought it was done so, so well. Oh, my gosh. 
Pablo mentions that they can get around her since she's handcuffed. The, I feel like uh, in this scene too, she was looking through. She was looking into the camera. She was. I feel like the like that sure. just like you said with the one before. They were looking into the camera. Yeah, she was. Like I, I, I felt like if this would have been now like if this movie would have come out now uh, around this this time frame mm-hmm. uh, we've probably gotten something a little bit creepier with her being all like handcuffed like we probably would have gotten her like breaking her arm or something oh, trying shit. to get yeah. up to them like yeah. th- that's that's just how it is now right like it, it's, a, it's more of a shock factor of like these zombies don't give a fuck <laughs> right. but uh, this was just more of like a human they were still like a human uh, layer to these zombies right um they were so, fresh. They were what? They were fresh. Yeah, they were fresh. Exactly. Sure. Um, still to this day, my favorite zombies are still the crazies. Just going to mention that everywhere. <laughs> uh, they slowly start making their way towards the stairs and then book it past her. While running up the stairs, another one is heading down the stairs towards them. They put her in a chokehold, and she is now down. And this part is actually like kind of rough because it, it's... Even like Pablo even dropped his camera to help him choke this woman. Yep. And it's just yeah. like, fuck. And you hear it just like the bones slightly cracking and her gasping for air and just Angela on the corner on the side crying. <laughs> Angela is freaking out, thinking that she has gotten bitten because uh, she ran into her. Right. And they try to reassure her that she hasn't gotten that she wasn't bitten. They continue moving up the stairs, and the lights immediately shut off. They are yelling for Pablo to turn on his light on his camera, and when he does, there's this nasty-ass bitch all up in his face. (laughs) She is all up there and just like... (laughs) (laughs) She goes after Pablo, and Angela grabs her off of him. Manu takes over, and Pablo and Angela are trying to continue forward, and the infected woman is attracted to the light more than Mano handling her. Mano asks for the mallet, and right before he makes a strike... They keep it moving and going upstairs. They make it to Gillum's uh, door, and Manu comes uh, running up the stairs, telling them to move out of the way, and smashes the door open. Um, and they are now inside looking for the keys, but Manu is nowhere to be found. They are checking the drawers, but they can't find them. While looking, while looking, Angela runs into the camera and knocks the sound out for a bit, and they still continue looking for the keys. They finally find the set of keys, um, but it's a fuck ton of keys on, the, on that ring, and yeah, they just real. say fuck it, and they just take the whole thing. Uh, back <laughs> on the stairs, Angela is yelling for Manu, and, they, and then you hear the whole fucking apartment complex start to growl yep. and scream. This was so and good. I love this. This Such yeah. is one of the best you. scenes in this fucking movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Pablo looks over the railing and you see Hoven first look Fuck. up. Then you see Manu look up as well with blood pouring out of his mouth, screaming they got towards them. 
They start running upstairs towards the penthouse. While they are all running up towards them, Angela fumbles with the keys and eventually finds the right one to get the door open, and then they close the door right behind them. Inside the dark room, and all you can hear is the banging on the other end of the door and screaming. Angela is asking for them to turn, asking for Pablo to turn on the spotlight, but he cannot because it is too loose. She's yelling for him to fix it, and the infected are starting to now calm down and leave. He finally gets the light to turn back on, and you can clearly see that someone has been living in this penthouse, um, which is contradicting what Gillum said earlier. Clearly, someone has been... (laughs) I don't know if if they're alive, but they've been living in that penthouse. For sure. And at this point, at this point is where I was like, I've been in this apartment complex before, or I've (laughs) seen this movie before, and I was so confused. And it was dead. He knew. He fucked up. There's all this, uh, there's all types of religious paraphernalia around, chemist sets, and photos all over the wall. Pablo heads over to Angela, and they are looking at all of the photos that are on the wall. She points at another one about a possession that happened to a girl in Portugal. She calls she calls him over to look at another one of the same girl, saying that she disappeared the night of her exorcism. They start hearing they start hearing running above them, and Angela gets spooked and heads over to Pablo. And I actually am also curious of how this was for for you guys who watched it in dubbed. Like, was did was this super lame for you guys? Well, it, it wasn't I mean, super lame. It just it fell flat on two fronts. One because the dub, but also because I was like, oh, now they're gonna just exposition everything down our throats. Mm-hmm. Got it. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the biggest thing is like throughout the movie, I got used to the dubbed. I was got like, it. I was annoyed for the first like fifteen twenty minutes, mm-hmm. but then I just got used to it. Yeah. Interesting. Because uh, she like cries going towards Pablo. She's like, <laughs> Pablo! <laughs> and, like, she, like, runs over towards him. <laughs> it's like, it's, it, oh. You feel I'm sure it, it would have been more terrifying. In the yeah, native, like, you feel the sure. tension in this moment. He calms yeah. her slightly down and tells her that uh, that they need to keep moving uh, to find a way out of there. They continue moving forward, and there is just more and more um, of it on the walls. She calls she calls him over and finds some experiment photos and a recorder. They figure out how to play it, and the man on the tape says, quote, I finally isolated the enzyme. The problem is that it's unstable. It deteriorates when it comes into contact with oxygen. I am, however, optimistic. If all goes well, um, we'll have a vaccine soon. The analysis was were successful. Angela stops the tape and fast forwards it. Quote, something unexpected has happened. The enzyme is not only resistant, but has mutated. It behaves much like the flu. This leads us to, to a horrible conclusion. It might be contagious. The telegram from Rome has arrived. The, um, the Metadros girl must die. End quote. Angela realizes that he he is talking about the girl and fast forwards a bit further. Quote, I must eliminate her and erase all signs of her existence. Finally, my prayers have been answered. This decision should have been made years ago. This has been this has all been a big mistake. I must follow the procedures. The ritual is very specific. I'm going to seal off the room. The seal should keep her in. If anything goes wrong, may God help us, end quote. While leaving the recording on, 
Angela and Pablo start trying to figure out a way out of here. They are looking around, and there is all this surgical stuff lying around, and then a hatch flies open, startling them both. Once again, that break of tension. Pablo right. tells Angela that he is going to look. He starts looking around up there, but it, uh, but it is dark, and she but it is dark back down there below, um, where Angela is still uh, hanging out at pretty much. And Pablo's there. It's just the light's gone. Their light source is just fucking gone. Um, uh, da, 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 lost my spot. Uh, while looking around, there is an infected boy that screams and smacks the camera camera light off. Now that uh, they are all freaking out because there is no light whatsoever. But he tells her to um, keep calm that he's going to turn on the night vision. He finds her in the dark and tells her to hold on behind him and to not let go. Pablo uh, starts looking around and notices that there is someone walking around in uh, in there with them. He tells them that there... Uh, he tells them that there is... Oh, excuse me. He tells her that there that she needs to uh, move back and not make a sound and to get down. Now, this fucking thing that they see in the corner, this tall motherfucker. Yep, that's a very good looking ghoul. They they did a good job on that oh, for sure. One hundred percent. Now, uh, this person, like I stated earlier, he is seen in quite a bit of movies. Actually, like the actor or the ghoul. The actor. Oh. <laughs> the actor. Oh, actually, and and a, another fun fact about this movie, this movie originally was actually made in both Spanish and Japanese. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, but this guy's name, let me get his name, because uh, he is pretty well known uh, in the horror world. He's well known. But, uh, damn, why can't I? Oh, Javier Bote. This motherfucker, dude is gnarly but to put this in perspectives of who this person is according to imbd it's the girl it is the girl yes it is the girl but this is a man (laughs) correct uh but yes you're right it is it is the girl is the main girl who uh actually was in there the uh boy that was up top uh that was the little that was the little asian kid he made it all the way to oh. the top. Yeah. I don't know how he got really? up there, but that was him. Yeah. So I was about to ask you guys, who was that? Because I was like, that doesn't make any that's sense. True. Like, yeah. Like, who would be up there? Yes. So but that yeah, was him. That's crazy. That's sad. Yeah. But Javier Bote was the uh, the guy who had um, uh, leprosy in It Chapter 1. Yeah. Ah! That's Just looked him. at that. Yep. And he's also the woman. The crooked man. Uh, he is Crooked Man as well, and he's also the <gasps> woman in uh, It Chapter 2 as well. But yeah, he he plays all these very tall, crazy-ass creatures. Is he a tall-ass dude in real life? Here, here, here's, here's one for you, Ryan. Uh. He also was in Game of Thrones in the episode The Long Night. No way. He, Did he, he play the of, giant? He was one of the giants. That's so sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's still... also he's also key <laughs> face in Insidious: The Last Key, which is oh. actually a, which is actually a very fun Insidious and deserves a lot more than what it actually got. But whatever. He also plays Slender Man. He does play Slender Man. Yep, he plays. Oh hell yeah! Yeah. 
This tall fucker starts moving closer towards them, and damn, this motherfucker looks gnarly. He's skinny, he's marled, and he's gross. But he's actually a woman. He's the little girl that was possessed earlier, as Ryan said. They try to walk past it because they notice, since this person has lived in the dark for a majority of their lifetime, they don't have sight. They go over this a lot more in quarantine, but yeah. They try to walk past it, and then they drop something, and it screams and start moving towards them, banging on shit, because it's blind. It can't see, so it's just banging on anything. It eventually catches up to Pablo and starts fucking his ass up. Oh, shit. It's like the T-Rex. It can't see you if you don't move. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, the sound design in this, or the sound design for this particular creature, um, is the sound design that the Babadook should have had. What? In, That's in, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of don't worry about it, Ryan. You're you're, right. you're good. Uh, instead of having the T Rex <laughs> noises, um, the, yeah, the T Rex noises are just fucking exactly. weird. It takes really you out a little bit. You out it of takes it. you out. But what about? We're not about, talking about that. We're still talking wait, about Rex. Wait. What, what about the uh, Winnebago from uh, Pet Cemetery? The what? The Winnebago, whatever the fuck oh, that thing's called. The Wendigo. Yeah, that. <laughs> the Wendigo, <laughs> dude. The Winnebago. The Wendigo. It's a, uh, as far yeah, as no, I'm yeah. concerned, it's a Winnebago. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. Now Angela is truly alone, calling for Pablo in the dark. Uh, she finds the camera and points it at the thing consuming Pablo, then starts to run while it chases her. She crawls towards the camera and and hears it wailing screams, and then it dragged away from the and then it it's dragged away from the camera. And then it drops a giant worm down her throat. But that's in the second movie. Uh, yeah, that is in the second movie. Uh, we are left with her message to Pablo. Quote, we have the tape. We have to tape everything, Pablo, for fuck's sake. End quote. Then credits. What the fucking movie, dude? Yeah. I absolutely adore Wreck. And actually, most of the most of the movies that are on this list, I'm a huge fan of for for this month. But um, <laughs> gosh, man! Now I got some movie facts for us. Movie, movie facts. facts. I love it. Now, wow, that was actually pretty in sync. <laughs> that was pretty in sync. Actually, that was pretty good. Uh, um, now, here's the thing that most of us probably would have probably guessed. This movie was filmed entirely in chronological order. Makes sense. I, really really I didn't order. even think about that. That's interesting. Yeah. Very few cuts. Yep. That makes sense. Um, all the shots were in real locations. No sets were built to make this movie, as Correct. I told you earlier. Very I nice. Lived in that, I went to that apartment. <laughs> um, Manuela Velasco, who plays Angela, is actually a actual TV real presenter. Anchor. Yeah, she's a real anchor. Yeah. In Spain, but after this movie, she actually became an actress. Whoa. Very nice. Good for good her. For her. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, was, you were really good at playing really yourself in a movie. Good. You were really yeah. good at playing <laughs> yourself in a movie. Become an actress. Yep. Um, <laughs> Going three more of these sequels. Speaks, both of them actually speak very, very, really, like really well English. Mm. <laughs> like, like the both of the uh, both the directors and her, they all speak very, very, very good English. Um, Wreck was one of the major inspirations for the first-person survival horror game, Outlast, that came out in 2013. Oh, the game yeah. explores lines game. between science and religion, much like the Wreck series does with medical science, viruses, and possession. Also, the POV in the game was also inspired by the shaky found, the shaky found footage style used in Wreck. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. The DVD so for this good. film wasn't ever released in the U.S. until after its remake, Quarantine, in 2008, and had and had been out in theaters. And the sequel, Wreck Two, had been confirmed. Yeah, this movie was hard as fuck to find. Uh, directors um, uh, Juame Balagueto and Paco Plaza made a deal prior to shooting in which if in which if one of them pitched an idea and the other one didn't like it, the idea would be tossed out without further explanation. To have mm-hmm. strict. Uh, this movie released within six months of the similar, uh, the similarly themed The Zombie uh, Diaries and George A. Romero's Diary of the Dead. Fair. Mm. Huh. I mean, this was in the big zombie boom. Right? I just like found, a, yeah. I just found the the wreck collection, all four movies on Blu-ray in Spanish, which means it's from obviously being shipped from Spain. It's ninety four dollars. Wow, oh, that's expensive. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! It I got it. For, it. I got it for three dollars. Nice. Oh yeah. I got well, three dollars plus a how many hundred dollar plane flight to Spain? So, sure. Yeah, <laughs> but still, yeah, I mean, I didn't fair. go there specifically for that movie, but uh, you, <laughs> that uh, was a Prince, bonus. Prince, who are you lying to? All right, all right. <laughs> you caught me. You caught me. Um, <laughs> um, at around eighteen minutes of the film, while filming the scene where the young fireman falls from the stairs, not a single actor knew that this was about to happen. That's so the good. That's awesome. The characters were all real, and that Love was that. one of the best scares in the whole movie. That was so good. <laughs> oh my gosh! How amazing was that? The closing pa- passages really were shot in complete darkness using an infrared camera. The actors literally had no idea where they were going, and they uh, literally had to fill the walls to make sure they were still going forward. <laughs> Up until the release of the sequel, Wreck 2, um, both directors were unaware of the decorative sculpture on the top of the building depicting a woman being grabbed by a monstrous creature by her foot, which is strongly similar to the final scene of both films. That's awesome. <laughs> That's Last crazy. one here. Unfortunately, several of the zombies' detailed makeup cannot be closely seen due to the shaky camera moves. One example is Jorge Yaman Serrano, who had one ear replaced by a prosthetic after his character gotten bitten. Goddamn. So good. Mm-hmm. So, so, so good. But that was wreck. Holy fuck, dude. What a great Love fucking it. movie. I am a fan. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of this movie, and I, by all means, I want anyone, I want everyone to see this movie. Everyone. Um, I think there's an extended version somewhere, too. Like, I think you can Damn. find, like, an extended version of this movie somewhere, but whatever. It's hard to find already. Yeah, this it's a tough movie to find. I just, I don't see why, like, why you wouldn't want to watch this movie, because it's, it's, it's well-written, it's smart. It's not long, so you don't have to invest a lot of time in it, yep. unlike most of the movies now. And it's it's just fun. It's a fun movie. Yep, one hundred percent. I'd say but, it's, for me, it's in the top three showings of found footage. One hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. One hundred percent. No, no, no. I completely agree with him. Of any genre, most of the time, found footage movies are horror movies, but of True. any genre, I would say it's in top three for me. Yeah. No. This this wow. this definitely this is one of the most well done found footage movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Of all time, That's fair. and 
it is still to this day studied by It's not Papa. perfect. Like I said. It's not perfect. No, no, it's definitely not ending, perfect. Ending's kind of whack. Yeah. But that's but, a story thing. But yeah. actually knowing how to film found footage correctly, using characters yeah, did properly right. and things like that, this was perfect. This is one of the best ways to utilize that. Um, but let us know what you think of Wreck. I am a very, very intrigued. But let us know over on Twitter at Goodnight Life. And um, by all means, you know, just fucking keep the comments keep the comments alive because all of the conversations behind these movies that we've been watching lately have been fantastic. Sure. <laughs> um, so let us know. But we are going to definitely, for a fact, keep this month strong. This is, of course, I Found You Month, also known as our Found Footage Month. But the next movie that we are going to be watching is going to be a Japanese horror film that is also based on spirits and all this whole other jazz so i'm very excited about this one this is called noro the curse by all means it's 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 a it's a fun one it's a fun one and for some people they even say that it's actually probably the scariest found footage movie they've ever seen wow Mm -hmm. i'm so ready for it though can't wait so that should be fun it's going to be a, a nice little exciting one. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, and on my web so as our very, very special guest and our lovely friend, Ryan. Thanks for having Thank me, guys. Appreciate it. Love you. Miss so you. So much for joining us on this episode, man. This was a lot of fun. Glad to be here, um, buddy. Also known as You Knight. And on the other side there, we got David. Stay spoopy. Staying spoopy. Be spoopy. Also known as Nightly. And on the other end there, we got Freddy. Stay safe, stay quarantined, and don't kill each other. Wash your hands. (laughs) That makes sense. Makes sense. Also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get this show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? Okay. <laughs> By pledging on Patreon, you have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And don't forget, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.